This is Cross Hope with Randy Snyder. Cross Hope is broadcast daily and shares five minutes of hope and encouragement from the Word of God. Our companion website is www.crosshope.org. Now with today's uplifting message, here's Randy. I trust that you do have a good Thanksgiving and that regardless of the numbers, that you'll be grateful for what the Lord has done, is doing, and get this, will be doing. God is the God of the past, but He's also the God of the present and the future. And you've got to remember that. That's a significant statement. The God who operated in the past and blessed you in different ways can bless you today in 2020, and He can bless you in the future in 2021 in just a few short weeks. And I really believe that. Well, have you ever been asked a question where you thought, no matter how I answer this question, I'm dead? If I say A, they're going to be mad because I didn't say B. If I say B, they're going to be mad or upset that I didn't say A. I've been asked that. And I don't think the person necessarily was trying to trap me, but years ago in the ministry, somebody said, Randy, I've got a question for you. What's more important in a church? to be doctrinally correct, or to have unity. And I literally gulped. I said, well, wait a minute. What do you mean? And he said the same question again. Is it more important to have doctrinal correctness or unity? And I think I gave a pretty good answer. You know what my answer was? I don't know. That's a great answer. I don't know. But I did say this to him. Even though I don't know the answer to that question, I can tell you this, that if a church doesn't have unity, it doesn't matter what they believe. Did you catch that? If a church doesn't have unity in the body, in a sense, it doesn't matter what they believe because no one is going to be attracted or drawn to a disunified church family. Just like people aren't attracted to a disunified family or extended family. We're going to look at unity for the second week in a row. Chapter 4 of Ephesians is about unity. The first six verses were what we studied last week, and if you remember, I told you to pick out the most important verse that we would talk about, and I said that verse is so important that if you're married and you practice it, it'll help your marriage. If you're a parent, it will help your family situation. If you're a son or daughter, it will help your life. What were the four things? Be humble, completely humble, Paul said. Be gentle, which means meekness, power under control. Be patient and bear with one another in love. Today we pick it up in verse 7. So we're going to read verse 7 and then 11 through 16 of chapter 4. It goes like this. But to each one of us, grace has been given, as Christ apportioned it. Verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith. Unity in the faith. Instead, and here's the key verse, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Here's the key verse that can change somebody's life today, verse 15. And I really mean this. Instead, speaking the truth in love. Some of you are married to people who speak the truth, but they just don't speak it in love. 
And some of you may be married to someone who shares love, but they don't speak the truth. And you've got to have both. Speak the truth in love. We will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head. That is Christ. And then verse 16. From Him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. The church is to be unified for a purpose. That's the thought today. The church is to be unified not just to be a happy group of people. You know, any club or organization can be unified, and we're together, and but we don't believe anything, but we're unified in believing nothing. But we're to build one another up in the faith. And the goal of unity is for one person to help another person to know the Lord. One of my favorite verses in the Bible about friendship comes out of the friendship of Jonathan and David. Some of you have heard me use this before, and you remember it. You may have it written in your Bible. But the Bible says this in Samuel, that Jonathan helped David, King David, to find his strength in the Lord. I love that. Jonathan helped David to find his strength in the Lord. Now, here's my question to you. Is there anybody on the planet that can point to you or me and say, that's the man, that's the woman who helps me find my strength in the Lord. We, we all have friends who say, your strength is in me. You look to me. You look to what I can give you emotionally, financially, whatever the case may be. And we are not to look to other people. We look to Christ. And our goal is to help other people find their strength in the Lord. Well, I want to start with verse 7. To each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is more significant than some of you think. Let me tell you why. So many people I've met over the years in ministry, a lot of years, who said, well, I don't have any gifts, Randy. I don't see what I could do for the Lord. Did you catch what Paul said? To each one of us, not to the most of you or some of you, But to each of us, a grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. God's given you some kind of spiritual gift, whether you know it or not. Let me say that again, because some of you didn't hear it. God has given each one of you a gift, whether you know it or not, a spiritual gift that comes from His grace. Remember the word grace means unmerited favor, something that's not deserved. So that's an important thought. That's why I included verse 7. And then go to verse 11. So Christ gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. We're in the people building business, not in self-confidence, but in Christ-confidence. My job as a minister is not to be a civic leader and a civic spokesman, and a community organizer, and a community activist. My purpose is to build people up in Christ. I'm going to talk about that in depth in in a minute, in a powerful way, I think, by quoting a couple of people who talk about it. Notice that in our culture today, Daryl Dash, who's from Toronto, Canada, says that business leadership says that what people need is visionary leaders. Daryl says, I'm all for visionary leadership, but the leaders Paul lists are, by and large, teachers. 
What we need more than visionary leaders are Christian leaders who can teach about what Jesus Christ has done. I'm going to let you in on a little secret that I've never heard or very rarely heard anyone hear. So many people, when they're looking for a minister, will talk about what can he do leadership-wise. And there's nothing evil about that. I want to know, what can he teach me? What can he share with me out of his life experience, what Jesus Christ has meant to him and for him? Well, last week, I think I quoted Tim Keller from New York City. I'm going to do the same thing as we begin tomorrow on CrossHope. That's CrossHope.org. Some of you remember me referring to Tim Keller from New York City. I think it was just last week or the week before, and he said, most churches make the mistake of selecting as leaders the confident, the competent, and the successful. He said, what you most need is a leader who has been broken by the knowledge of his or her sin. Did you hear that? People are looking for the confident, the competent, and the successful. And Tim Keller says, what we need most is a leader who has been broken by the knowledge of his or her sin and even greater knowledge of the grace of God. That is our job, to share with people the grace of God. And the purpose is to build up unity in the Son of God. I'm going to focus in on verse 15, because that's the verse I was drawn to. I'm always drawn to one verse when I preach a text in the Bible. There's one verse that I just go to. Last week it was verse 2. Be completely humble. Be gentle. Be patient. Forbearing one another in love. And verse 15 says this, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head. That is Christ. I'm going to tell you a story that's, you know, pretty sad in a way, but it's a true story told by Tim Downs. Tim and his wife, Joy Downs, just like it sounds, D-O-W-N-S, wrote a book about marriage called The Seven Conflicts. Most couples look at conflict as a reason for divorce. Hey, we've got conflict. See ya. I'm out of here. They say the conflict is given by God to bring people together. As you work through conflict, as you resolve conflict, it's something the Lord uses to bring people together. Here's what they say. This is a strong story that some of you may find hard to believe, but I can believe that men would say this. After one of our marriage conferences, a woman came up to us with a complaint about her husband. We live in the city, she said. My husband and I like to go walking together downtown. But sometimes when we're out for a walk, an attractive woman will walk by. When that happens, my husband, get this, will stop and slowly look her over, up and down. I've just found that hard to believe, but that's what men do in some cases. Sometimes he'll even whistle or he'll make a comment like, now there's a good-looking woman. I hate it when he does that, and I tell him so. But whenever I complain, he says, look, that's just what comes to my mind when I see an attractive woman. I'm just telling you the truth about what I think. What do you want me to do? Lie to you. Lie to you? What do you think, she asked us. Should my husband tell me the truth? What do you want him to do, we asked. She paused for a long moment. I want him to tell me the truth, but not like that. 
And then Tim and Joy shared with the husband, verse 15, instead, speak the truth, but in love. And the love that is for your wife will impact what you say or what you don't say. You still speak the truth, but you speak it in love. Honesty is an excellent virtue, but honesty alone can be brutal. That's why the Bible uses pairs. Speak the truth, but do it in love. Speak the truth, but do it in love. I think that's a powerful message. Brent Kirkville is from West Palm Beach, Florida. I've never been there. Some of you have. We need to speak the truth in love in our homes. Husbands must speak lovingly to their wives, and wives must speak lovingly to their husbands. And we'll continue that thought tomorrow on CrossOpe. That's CrossOpe.org. Brent Kirkville is from West Palm Beach, Florida. I've never been there. Some of you have. We need to speak the truth in love in our homes. Husbands must speak lovingly to their wives, and wives must speak lovingly to their husbands. Even when we're speaking the truth or having a serious discussion or argument, love must be maintained. Love must be maintained in our words. Children must speak with love to their parents. I really hate how I see children talking to their parents these days. You must not allow your child to hit you, to speak ugly to you, or to be disrespectful. You must teach them that because God has told you to train them in the way they should go, loving actions and words are only allowed even if the child is angry, tired, or upset. Parents must speak with love to their children, even when needed to discipline. Caleb Moser is from Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. He said, close to the summit of a mountain I've never heard of, Katahdin in Maine. Mount Katahdin. Anybody ever heard of that? Have you ever heard of Maine? Okay, Mount Katahdin in Maine. On the summit, or close to the summit, lies a 1.1-mile stretch of trail known as the Knife Edge Trail. I looked at a picture of it because I didn't understand what they meant, but there's this edge trail that goes all the way to the top. It's not very wide. It takes hikers along the crest of a treeless ridge prior to reaching the summit of a 5,200-foot peak. It's only a few feet wide in places, and so if you make a mistake and you step off the edge, 2,000 feet is how far you fall, which is not good for your body if you follow my thinking here. Here's what Caleb says. Speaking the truth in love is like hiking the Ninth Edge Trail. With a single misstep to either side, we can lose our balance and fall into error. We can either end up speaking the truth without love or share love without the truth. Both errors start in a good place. Truth and love are both good. And to pursue either is not an evil choice, but pursuing one at the exclusion of the other is to make a big mistake. Some of you know about a church that's in Akron, Ohio, called the Church on the Way. I'm assuming it's still there. It was there years ago. David Burnham was the minister there many years ago. I heard David speak a couple of times. He said there was a 12-year-old boy in the church there named Kurt who played baseball. 
He was a terrible baseball player. I can relate because I was a terrible baseball player in Little League. Awful. We won't go there. But the league rules stipulated that if you've got a boy in your team, he's got to play at least two innings. Two innings. I don't know if that's true here in the area, but that's what was true in Akron. So every game, Kurt, as lousy as he was, had to play two innings of ball. The day came when they were in a championship game, and I can't believe that the coach would actually do this. But he came up to Kurt after the last game when they were looking forward to a championship game, game, and he says, Kurt, stay home. Stay home Saturday. It would really be better for the team. Just trust me. Just stay home. And I thought about that, and Dave Burnham comments on it. Can you imagine the Lord Jesus Christ saying that to anybody in the body of Christ? Stay home. They don't need you at that church. The day came when they were in a championship game, and I can't believe that the coach would actually do this. But he came up to Kurt after the last game when they were looking forward to a championship game. He says, Kurt, stay home. Stay home Saturday. It would really be better for the team. Just trust me. Just stay home. And I thought about that, and Dave Burnham comments on it. Can you imagine the Lord Jesus Christ saying that to anybody in the body of Christ? Stay home. They don't need you at that church. They don't need what you can offer. They don't need what you can do. The Lord Jesus Christ would never, never say that to anyone. We can speak the truth in love, or we can speak the truth in anger. We can speak the truth with sarcasm. We can speak the truth in resentment, in bitterness, and in hatred. But we're under orders from Scripture to speak the truth in love. Del Faisenfeld, a good German name, Faisenfeld, tells about an amazing experience they had driving on the freeway with his wife and four children. Have you ever seen a truck, an 18-wheeler on a freeway that was hauling canoes? Ever had a truck pass you? That's happened to me, where it's just full of canoes from a canoe livery. And they passed him on the freeway, and the unbelievable thing happened. Some of you are ahead of me. You know where this is going. One of the canoes came off the truck, and he said it was heading like a bullet right for the windshield. And Del Faisenfeld said he didn't have time to think. He didn't have time to react, but he did. And he literally went off the road, and the canoe took the driver's rearview mirror off and just shaved the side of the car. They ended up in a cornfield. When he stopped, he looked at his wife, he looked at his children in the back, and everyone was seemingly fine. And Del Faisenfeld made an interesting statement or analogy in that experience. He said, I never felt more alive in my life than I did at that moment. I thought, that's interesting. When he came near death, he was more alive than ever before. What would it take for you and me? regardless of your age, to feel alive in Christ, I can tell you what it is. 
is the grace of God gets involved in your life and in my life to gift you in a way that you're not even perhaps aware of, to use you. And when you are serving the Lord, get this, you are more alive than ever before. You see, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and what? The life. When I have him in my life, and when you have him in your life, you are more alive than ever before. Patrick Morley, I'm going to close with this said, anyone can recruit six people to be your pallbearers. But Patrick Morley said, can you think of three, three people that look at you as somebody who has blessed them with the Spirit of God in your life into their life? You have brought an experience of the presence of God into somebody else's life. He said, I'm not talking about six. Can you think of three? And then I'll take it a step further. Can you think of one? Can you think of one person that can say, I'm brought closer to Jesus Christ through, and I have a closeness to the Lord because of what that man, that woman, that person, that young person did in my life. You've been listening to Cross Hope with Randy Snyder. For more information about this ministry or to re-listen to any message heard on this broadcast, go to our website at crosshope.org. Be sure to join us at this same time each weekday or listen at www.crosshope.org. Cross Hope is listener-supported and is produced by Cross Hope Ministries, Incorporated.